Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome to Morning Moments with Maya. Conversations of love and laughter. The show where each week, your host, healthcare administrator and certified humour professional, Maya Aziz, invites someone who is out there pushing the positive to join her for a heartfelt and often hilarious coffee conversation about love, laughter, leadership and, well, life. Love and laughter might not cure what ails you, but they sure go a long way to getting you through those tough life moments. So sit back, pour yourself a cup and get ready to laugh and learn today on Morning Moments. Look for the good. It is all around. It really, really is. The good is all around, folks. This is Maya coming to you live from Montreal, Quebec, where it has been, frankly, uh, a bit of a rough week. Uh, Sunday night, uh, only a couple of hours from here, from where we record this show, uh, they were victim in that city, in Quebec City, at a horrible and senseless act of violence that we know about and our hearts are kind of hurting uh, a little bit this week as a result and I mention this because I really felt strongly that I couldn't I couldn't not mention it Um, and I'm going to be completely honest uh, this morning with you listeners I had a hard time getting ready for the show this week How could I get on the radio and have a conversation? And today's conversation, of course, is about the value of play and humor um, in our lives. How could I get on the radio and talk about that of all topics uh, in this heavy context that's all around us? And not just here, but certainly um, our friends in the States are living all kinds of things as well. So I was thinking about this uh, over the last week, and I was actually at one point even thinking about, oh, maybe I shouldn't even do the show this week. And then I came across a quote by Friedrich Schiller, who said the following, Man plays only when he is in the fullest sense of the word a human being, and he is fully a human being only when he plays. And maybe that is exactly it. Maybe what the world needs now is for us all to return to our humanity. And maybe playing and laughing is just one of the ways that we're going to get there. And it was the case for me this past weekend. I went away for a few days, uh, the holidays came and went and certainly were very fun, but also, uh, as I, I'm sure for many of you, quite exhausting. And so we planned this little getaway, uh, my husband and our kids, all of our kids. We went away this last weekend uh, just to spend some time together. And we had the most fantastic time. Uh, we were just together. We were hanging out and we played and we laughed. Uh, there were multiple uh, loud games of dogs. We went on a scavenger hunt. We were playing really goofy pranks on each other. 
And through it all, we laughed, we discovered new things, uh, and reminded ourselves of what really matters. So maybe, maybe, maybe play is not just fun and games after all. And someone who knows just how serious having fun can be is my beautiful and very special guest today. Mary Kay Morrison is an educator, author, and speaker whose work includes integrating what we know about applying cognitive research on both the emotions, particularly humor, and movement to learning. In addition to humor and stress management, Mary Kay has conducted seminars on brain research, leadership, ADHD, group facilitation, parenting, and mentoring. She is the founder and director of HumorQuest and currently serves as president of the board of directors of the Association of Applied and Therapeutic Humor, or AATH, where she volunteers for the International AATH Humor Academy Graduate Study and Certificate Program. Mary Kay is a diplomat with the American Institute of Stress and author of Using Humor to Maximize Learning, Exploring Links Between Positive Emotions and Education, and Using Humor to Maximize Living. And just last year, she received the 2016 ATH Lifetime Achievement Award for her contribution to the field of therapeutic humor. Mary Kay, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Maya. I am so delighted to be with you. And I am thrilled to have you here to talk about what is a very fun topic when we talk about humor and play and what it brings to our lives, not just as children, but also as adults. Um, And it's a very fun topic, but also a bit more serious, I think, than people realize. But before we get into all of that, I want to know a little bit more where your interest in this came from. Was humor and play um, always a part of your life? Where did it all start for you? Oh, my goodness, yes. It was always a part of my life, thanks to my dad. Um, He was very playful. Uh, He loved to make people laugh, and so he would do playful, fun things to encourage people to laugh. Uh, And so um, I grew up with that experience. When I do workshops, I often ask people, Um, what their childhood was like uh, because playfulness and humor often come from um, either nature or nurture and actually a combination of both. So uh, what kind of environment you grew up in uh, often lends itself to how you feel about uh, humor and play and how comfortable you are with doing those things. Um, So I was very lucky uh, And um, my mom also had a sense of humor, but mainly it was um, tolerating my dad's jokes and laughter. So (laughs) there were seven of us. So it was a pretty lively household. We played a lot of of games and uh, spent a lot of time outside. Um, My own childhood experience was played kicking the can down the alley with other kids in the neighborhood and um, being on my bike and um, jump rope and those kinds of things. So uh, it, was, it was just fun. Um, 
I was really struck with your opening, though, Maya, and uh, one of the things that I've learned over the years, I think, is that um, when you're able to have humor and laugh and find play in your life again, just as you described, you know you're starting to heal from whatever tragedy or challenge you have had in life. So um, play is an indicator and humor is an indicator of um, survival and coping. Uh, So um, I don't know. I I just found it very touching. Uh, There's been so many instances of tragedy that have been happening on the national scene. And and so uh, our sympathies to you and all of those in Canada who have been touched by this tragedy. Thank you for that comment. I mean, thank you for your your kind words, but also for that link that you make because I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, there there are some people who sort of think, okay, well, you know, this is not the time for humor and play, and yet uh, I really agree with you that it is um, perhaps more than ever. Uh, the time to to remember those elements of our lives and and I too just in my own personal life uh, you know when times are hard and I finally laugh uh, that's always a sign to me that okay it's okay I'm okay things are going to be okay so thank you so much for uh, for that little reflection you know we're talking about humor and play um, as if they're kind of interchangeable and the same thing and I'm wondering if maybe it makes sense to just clarify a little bit what we're talking about for listeners. And I'm curious kind of how you yourself actually define what play is and how is that different than humor, but perhaps linked? That is a great question. Um, And I think you asked me earlier about how I got started in some of this. And I was a kindergarten teacher (laughs) to start with. Uh, And so one of the basic tenets, that I learned in my education it was that we learn through play. And that has been a very strong tenet for me throughout my whole career in um, working with children and adults in helping use play to learn and for the learning process. Um, and so I think I have a def- definition in one of my books that says it is an unrestrained, play is an unrestrained amusing interaction with people, animals, or things, often in the context of learning. And I think it's really important to know that it is usually self-chosen and self-directed. And that is critically important because two people can be playing ball and one sees it as a play and fun activity and the other may not. Um, So Mm -hmm. a lot of it is the mental um, uh, framework that you bring to the activity, whatever it is. Uh, So um, it is actually, um, there are, there's some often structures, but it's set up by the participants and um, play has a huge impact on how kids learn. Uh, A lot of the research that, um, is available for us actually shows that play um, supports learning, supports all kinds of learning, physical, emotional, and social learning, um, not just with kids, but with adults. Um, so there are 
a lot of benefits from play. Um, and there's actually been quite a bit written about the benefits of that um, in our lives. So um, I'm so glad you asked that question because uh, one of the things that I was quite frustrated with when I was a kindergarten teacher was they kept taking play out of the curriculum. Play is often seen as frivolous and not linked to learning. And so it kind of became my passion and mission in life to make my voice heard that play is critically important to a child's learning process, as well as to adults in their work environment. So that's kind of been my my life journey is um, uh, working with adults in staff development to help them understand how play can help with the learning process and to encourage that um, for all people um, as a tool for learning. So thank you for that question. Well, I mean, you're definitely the best sort of placed person for this conversation, and I have so many questions for you. Um, one, of the, one of the things that you said that really struck me was how it has to come from the person and that you can have two uh, children, though I suppose it would apply to adults as well, who can be engaged in the same sort of play activity, but for one, it really is play, and for the other, it isn't. Um, so it's not just about, you know, you give them a board game and automatically it's considered play. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I th- so I think a lot of it is um, how you grew up and how play was looked at um, in the realm of your environment. Um, so, and a lot of people... Um, grew up with a environment that said that play was frivolous or we have to work, we have to work hard. Um, I know my mom went through the depression and um, people were out of work and there was not time for play. Uh, People worked very hard and it was a very difficult um, time for many people during the depression and and there are certain cultures where play is not valued um, for a variety of reasons. But uh, it's very interesting to study different cultures, different um, um, school systems, uh, and how they view the whole idea of play, fun, laughter, and humor, which I usually use all of those terms to describe, uh, you know, the whole beneficial system of the optimism that I think comes from having these elements in your life. Um, Interestingly enough, the country of Finland um, has an amazing school system, and they um, don't start school until seven years old, and they have a lot of play activities involved in the learning process. In other words, their school system is actually structured oftentimes around play, So that's a culture that um, I often refer to as a model for how um, I think many of us can learn from how they integrate play into their school environment. 
That's a really interesting example because, you know, as you said so well, a lot of people think, oh, play is so frivolous. We need to be a bit more serious, especially once you get to school, um, as though somehow uh, play or allowing for free play is going to have a negative impact. And yet, if you look at the Finnish, I mean, they're wonderfully productive, successful uh, people and their culture is thriving. So clearly it's working. Um and and kids are learning. And you mentioned that. Can you tell me a bit more about how play um, and as you connected as well to humor? How does it help kids learn? Like, how does what's the actual process by which it's beneficial to them? Well, one of the interesting things is that that um, we're now able to do brain scans of children while they're learning, and. One of the things that we have found is that when they're playing and fully engaged in an activity, more areas of the brain light up than, say, if they are just doing a worksheet. Um, That is not nearly as challenging or as creative or um, as beneficial for the brain as as something um, where they're fully engaged and they're really excited about what they're doing. Um, So... um, Play actually um, grows neural connections in the brain. Uh, and so that, that's a huge benefit. Um, it is also, there's a lot of benefits to play, but it also cultivates energy and engagement. Um, and it neutralizes stress. So uh, if you're playing and laughing uh, your stress will dissipate. Um, a lot of our kids today in schools, stress levels for kids have gone up. Um, depression is rising among our young people. Uh, and I think a lot of it is the stress of test scores and um, treating school like a business uh, where we have a product at the end rather than uh, developing children's talents and abilities to the fullest. I had a really interesting experience, Maya, when I was doing research for my book. I actually went into schools and um, worked with teachers, and um, uh, several schools allowed me to come in and do workshops with their teachers, and then they would try to incorporate humor and play into their classrooms. And one of the fifth-grade teachers told me that uh, she tried play activities with the kids, and a fifth-grade child looked at her and said, we're too old for this kind of stuff. And I think that we program our kids to think that once they get to a certain age, they're too old to play anymore. And I see that happening over and over, that we're telling them they have to be serious, that they have to buckle down and get good grades. And learning becomes a process to get good grades and not Mm -hmm. learning for the joy and the fun of um, being engaged in an activity. So um, uh, the stories that I heard when I was doing my research just um, curled my toes sometimes. I just honestly, um, I had teachers tell me that they had administrators that um, would tell them that, you know, they had to be more serious. Uh, one of the teachers I talked to moved from kindergarten to second grade, and the administrator told her that she couldn't sing with the kids anymore now. Um, I mean, the stories were just ridiculous. And so there's this 
mental philosophy out there somewhere, and I'm not sure where it came from, but uh, that, you know, we have to be serious, we have to buckle down, we have to get high test scores, and that proves that kids are getting a good education when the opposite is actually true. So... Uh, your your examples are making my stomach turn into knots, Mary Kay. I mean, the idea of a ten year old saying that they're too old to play—I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, but I but I know that you're right in what you're saying, and even you know, increasingly with standardized testing, and uh, there's this odd culture in our education systems and it's the same up here in Canada where I thought you described it so nicely that it's almost like a business where the product is this child who's got really high uh, grades um, not necessarily looking at you know who that little child has become um, or how they're going to relate to the world as they finish school uh, somewhere we've gone terribly wrong Absolutely right. <laughs> yes, it, we have, um, actually I talk about the development of a child's um, sense of humor and sense of play um, in one of my books. And for the listeners who might be interested in how to nurture your child's sense of play um, or your grandchild's sense of play, um, you know, we have a sense of humor and a sense of play that comes to us innately. Uh, across cultures, um, most parents really work at getting their child to smile for the very first time. And it's so much fun to watch grandparents and parents Googling at the child and making <laughs> silly faces and trying to get them to smile. And then, of course, you want to make them laugh. And so the first stage that I talk about is um, called the peekaboo stage. And when you hold a diaper up over the child's face, of course, we use Pampers now, but I had kids with a diaper, but a blanket over the child's face. Um, the child becomes a little distressed because they can't see their, their caregiver or their parent anymore. And then they pull the blanket down and they say peekaboo. And so there's a three-stage process to get that child to laugh is that the first is a little bit of anxiety. The second, you pull the blanket down and there's relief, and then there's laughter. So it's anxiety, relief, and laughter. And that pattern stays for your entire life. I lost my cell phone um, a, a year ago or so, and I became extremely anxious. And then I realized that I had been running across the parking lot. Um, I had not secured my phone in my pocket. It had come out in the rain. I drove away, didn't realize I was missing it, and until I reached in my pocket to, uh, when I got to my place, to that place, to tell my husband I had arrived safely, only to find that it wasn't there. And, of course, I panicked, went back, and found it, and I was so relieved. And then I was laughing at myself for being so <laughs> goofy that I didn't, you know, put it in my a secure place. And so a lot of times we laugh at ourselves, at our own uh, forgetfulness or silliness, but that pattern remains is that when you become anxious about something and then you find relief, a lot of times then you can find laughter um, through the relief of that. Uh, so that pattern um, starts in very early childhood. And then there are other stages that children go through um, to develop a sense of humor. And I 
the last stage is the fifth stage, and that's really where adults are. And I encourage adults to find their peak um, uh, level of playfulness and fun in their life. And that's what we strive for is that it's high energy, uh, feeling great, um, coping with stress, uh, with play and fun and laughter. So learning to um, take a look at, you know, yourself and um, how you were raised and what your feelings are about play, laughter, and fun and how you were taught or absorbed in your environment, all of those elements. It's pretty interesting for people to try to figure out what their sense of humor is and how it was developed. It is really interesting, and, and as you talk about um, how you know those elements remain when we become adults, and how important it is for us as adults to also you know find um, this sense of play. I'm always struck by when you talk about play with adults, people automatically go to, oh yeah, yeah, I play. I'm in a hockey league, or oh yeah, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I play basketball on the weekends, and and it tends to to go to these sort of competitive. Sports. And yet, when I listen to you talk about play and kind of the fun and the, the delight just for doing the activity, it doesn't feel like the same thing. <laughs> That's right. I'm a real swinger. <laughs> I'd like to get on the swing. I think you know this about me, Mike. <laughs> you heard it here, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I know. One of my favorite activities is to get on the swing and swing. Um, I absolutely feel free and and um, just love the feeling of freedom that I get being on a swing. And um, I usually don't kick the other kids off on the playground. Actually, my husband was kind enough to put a swing in my tree in my backyard. So, uh, but I also purposefully try to play every day. Um, and, again, self-chosen, self-directed, and... Um, with the mindset that it's just going to be fun and just a way to feel free and to um, just have a moment of energy and enthusiasm and excitement for life. So I do the pogo stick. I um, love to run and jump and skip and do cartwheels. (laughs) Uh, They're not very good cartwheels. It's just, it's just, um, you know, um, thinking, I wonder if I can still do a cartwheel. And, um, you know, so it, it's it's the unexpected. It is something that, um, you know, just finding the pure joy in doing something you loved doing as a child. And it doesn't have to be a physical activity, although we know physical activity is great for adults. So you kill two birds with one stone, but it can be whatever you really enjoyed. Um, is self-chosen. Some people may get pure joy out of playing a musical instrument or dancing, or uh, which is fabulous, kind of playful. Whatever invokes a playful attitude and joyfulness in you, in you, is something to encourage people to do every day. So, I will ask people, "How did you play today?" or "What, what can you do to?" Inc- um, incorporate more play and laughter and fun in your life every single day um, to reach that peak uh, joy of um, feeling good and really absolutely loving life, uh, reducing the stress 
and um, building relationships, um, finding other people that want to play <laughs> and do some of the fun things with you. So. Uh, that actually brings me to a question that I had um, in terms of building relationships. You had mentioned earlier in terms of children playing that it also uh, is important in terms of their social development. So how does play actually impact how, whether as children or as adults, we build our relationships or our social abilities with each other? Oh, that's a great, great question. Um well, kids go through stages of play uh, and developmentally. Uh, three-year-olds will do what they call parallel play, where they play next to each other. And then at the age of three or four, they start interacting with each other. And, um, of course, many of us can remember not wanting to sh- our, our children not wanting to share, to share their toys. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that starts the whole conversation and the whole relationship building and and um, I often say if people are laughing together, um, that eases the conversation. Uh, it really um, builds bridges. Uh, and if you look at some of our greatest politicians, um, our greatest leaders, had wonderful senses of humor. And they were able to make people laugh during difficult times. Um, and they often were able to laugh at themselves which is a characteristic that um, will endear them to people, even if you don't agree with their views on whatever it is. So um, I encourage people in leadership positions to take a a look at um, how humor and play might be able to help um, with your communication skills. And, of course, there are organizations and agencies that, that um, devote themselves to helping people with that. Um, and um, it's so important uh, to take a look at how people play. One of my favorite examples um, of a playful work environment is the fish market in Seattle. Um, some of your uh, listeners might be acquainted with that they actually throw fish at people when they sell it to somebody. <laughs> they lift it out to them. And they, they, um, they do everything they can to engage the customers in crazy, silly things. They put um, an, uh, a string on the fish's mouth that's laying in, the, in the, the display. And when a kid comes by, they'll open the mouth without the kid knowing how it how it happens. Um, I mean, they do crazy, crazy things. And every day they have a huge crowd of people that come just to watch them perform their fish selling. And everybody wants to work there because they have so much fun. And they actually have what they call the fish philosophy, and one of their tenets is play. And you can bring play to any work environment. Um, Who would think you would want to grow up to be a fishmonger and work with cold, dead fish in ice buckets. (laughs) But people love, love this job because they're having so much fun. They're throwing fish at each other. They're joking with the customers. And they have really built their business on this whole tenet of play. So you can bring play to whatever work environment you're in um, and um, increase productivity, increase communication, um, 
and just have fun and get rid of some of the stress that's out there. <laughs> so um, that is a it, hilarious it, example. I'd never heard about that, and now I want to go out to Seattle <laughs> just for that. Oh my gosh, uh, it's so fun! It's just so. It and sounds a hilarious. Book about that. It is. It's so fun. Actually, there's several people. Um, Leslie Yerkes has written a book called Fun Works, and she actually looks at companies that incorporate fun into the workplace. And um, uh, Sharon Fisher is another person who's done that. She's got a company um, that looks at play and another company, the Fun Department. So there's a lot of organizations that are really um, promoting play as a way to increase productivity, increase communication, and of course, Maya, I would not um, be on this show without wanting to mention the organization I'm president of, AATH, which has our conference coming up in April, and the theme is play. So we're, we actually have several of those. Um, Sharon Fisher will be there presenting, and people from the fund department will be as well, um, as Peter Gray, who um, has written quite a bit about um, the research on play. So... Uh, he is just fascinating. His main theme will be the decline of um, play and the rise of mental illness. He correlates those two. So I'm a huge fan of his and um, really looking forward to hearing him speak. But uh, I think that adults can incorporate play into their everyday life and really encourage kids to do that as well because what I do see again over and over again with young people is is. Um, thinking they can't play anymore. So, um, and quickly, I just want to say a very one of my observations. And if anybody out there is doing any research, I think this would be a fabulous research topic because I have not seen any research on it. But my theory is is that we squelch play and laughter and fun in our children so much, except in the line of using alcohol and drugs. When kids look at us, an Mm -hmm. adult says, I have to have a drink. I've had such a rough week. And that's the only way that they see adults relaxing and being able to play and being able to laugh, that it sets a tone and a mentality for our young people that the only way to really be able to play is to be under the influence. And then you can be goofy. So I think that oftentimes um, we... Um, give an example to kids that um, the only way that they can be goofy is to say, ah, I couldn't help myself. I was under the influence or I was drunk. So just a philosophy or a thought that I've had that um, one of the things that we do as a society is that we, a lot of times the only time we show ourselves having fun is when we're um, having um, alcohol at parties or whatever. So, um, if anybody wants to do a research project on that, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really interesting, actually, reflection. Uh, you know, that I, I can I can relate to some truth in that. So, if you do do that research, I will be very interested to see the results. And and it certainly drives home, uh, you know, the message that we need to um, bring back this element of just free self-chosen play, um, both for our children and for ourselves. I I mean, you've convinced me, uh, of the importance of this and the value of this. And it's, you know, it's really interesting when you talk about people, uh, you know, talking about the, 
the relationship between the lack of play and mental illness. I mean, this is serious stuff. We're not just goofing around, <laughs> pardon, the, pardon the term, when we're talking about play. But at the beginning of the show, Mary Kay, you talked about how, um, you know, there was an element of sort of DNA as well as environment. And I, I sometimes do meet people who seem to be, you know, by nature perhaps, or also their environment, more on the serious side. So let's say that there's a listener like that who's listening to this show who's a very, you know, a serious adult, let's say, who doesn't really play very much. I mean, where do they even start? You know, you have a delightful sense of play. I'm not sure that every adult might imagine themselves starting with cartwheels. So how does, you know, the <laughs> average person, you know, where do we where does somebody start? Do you have any suggestions? Well, one of the things that um, I do suggest is that kind of pay attention during your day to what makes you laugh and what brings you joy. And also think about what you love doing as a child. Um, And explore different things that you think might bring you fun and play. Um, And go from there. I encourage people to keep a journal. Um, of how often they laughed or what made them laugh each day and then try and increase that. I also encourage people to hang around with people that are fun and who would like to have a good time um, and encourage more of those in your life uh, rather than what I call the humor doomers. Um, These are people that um, no matter what you say or do, um, they are pessimistic and not happy uh, and they will put you down if you try to play and have fun. Um, that term I used in my book, I went into my office one day. Um, it was a cold day here in Illinois, <laughs> middle of winter, bitter, and I said, let's have a Hawaiian party, you know, I'll bring in Hawaiian pineapple upside down cake and wine, <laughs> you know, and I was all set on planning a fun party the next day, and several people were looking excited about it. And one other lady looked at me and said, you don't have enough to do, do you, Mary Kay? (gasps) And I went home that night and I couldn't sleep. I thought, she doesn't think I'm working. And I know I'm working just as hard as she is, if not more so. But I'd like to have fun at work. And so uh, that's when the term humor doomer came about. And I realized that people that put down other people for having a good time are usually pretty miserable themselves. And so I encourage people to not spend a lot of time with humor doers in their life, to, um, you know, seek out people that um, they can laugh with and have a good time with and plan some games and fun activity at the workplace as well as at home. Your example was perfect, Maya, of what you're doing with your children and um, you know, that is a model for others. So I was so glad you opened with that because that's just absolutely um, playing with your children, playing with your grandkids, creating memories um, is so critically important and encouraging our young people to play and to have a good time. Uh, and um, I think if you spend time laughing and playing with others, um, you know, you will increase your own play and activity as well. You you are so right. Uh, you know, those humor doomers that you mention, uh, my kids call them fun-skeetos, people who suck the fun out of life. 
Um, and and they really can. They can bring you down, and it makes such a difference when you're around people who um, who want to see the joy. And it doesn't mean that they're frivolous at all. They can be, you know, your most profound and serious friends, but who appreciate, uh, you know, some delight in life. It can make such a difference. Uh, in so many ways, I know I, I certainly have a group of friends like that myself. When I feel things getting dreary, uh, those are the friends I call up and say, okay, we got to get together. <laughs> you know, I need to laugh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, um, yeah, encourage more humor in your life, more fun in your life, and look at different ways to play. And um, I, I call it purposeful play, um, purposefully encouraging uh, play in yourself and in others, um, uh, you know, every day. So, um, and That's a, gr- a great message in terms of intending to do it and, like, making a point to do it as opposed to just hoping perhaps an opportunity will, will float by. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so true. Yeah, it's uh, um one of the things that I'd like to say is that your emotions drive your attention and that drives your learning. So if you are in a positive frame of mind, um, that will drive your learning at a higher level um, than if you're in a negative state or a negative frame of mind. So again, for leaders, um, to create a culture or an environment where um, people really look forward to coming to work, they're energized, um, there's several major companies that have created playgrounds and play places for their their um, employees. Google is an example. They actually have bikes they ride within their office place. And um, other companies have actually created playrooms and um, places for to encourage creativity among their staff. Uh, and so... Um, I think the value of play is becoming more and more evident in our um, society as we start learning more and more about it. And as people like you uh, share the the importance of it. So, uh, you know, I, I think we need to keep up that message, which is so important. I have two little questions. We're slowly running out of time, but I have two little questions left for you. The first is, do you have a favorite toy? <laughs> I think the pogo stick probably is my favorite <laughs> active toy. <laughs> I That's always a great tell people, one. I always tell people I'm the pogo stick champ- champion in our neighborhood. Well, I'm the only one in the neighborhood that jumps on <laughs> pogo <laughs> Anyway, um, but I also like to play games and, and cards. Not a, And you're, you're, Definition of being competitive is so true. If people become so competitive that it isn't fun, then that takes the joy out of the play. But I do enjoy games and um, cards and things like charades and uh, um, those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, I um, I have to say the hula hoop is another one I really like. So. <laughs> I've heard you're you're a bit of a champion at that as well. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. 
Um, you, you know, board games, you mentioned board games, and I, and I think that's a nice thing to mention because I think that's something that's really accessible for a lot of people who are maybe not so comfortable, um, you know, jumping down the street on a pogo stick or, or something like that. But, but, but board games are out there, and they can be such fun and very social. So I, I think that's a nice, nice piece of advice. And Mary Kay, I mean, you mentioned this conference that is coming up. Uh, can you just tell us when exactly that's happening and where it's happening? Absolutely. Um, it will be in Orlando at the Holiday Inn Resort, which is right next to Disney World. Um, and it's April 27th through the 30th. Uh, it is the best conference in the entire world. <laughs> and the people are just fabulous, as you know, Maya. Um we will not maybe have our London reporter there this year, which I'm very sad about. But it is an amazing conference. Um, Peter Gray, like I said, will be one of our keynotes um, talking about the decline of play and the rise of mental illness and the correlation. The other cool thing we're doing is our past president, Jill Knox, is in connection with a museum um, close to her home. The lady there is into a movement for peace and as you know Orlando had a tragedy um, at their nightclub, their Pulse nightclub and so in memory of those um, that died we are again bringing humor and laughter into our um, sorrow uh, from the deaths of those individuals. We're creating a peace mural um, uh, using joy and um, to comfort um, ourselves in the community um, as we create uh, in memory of those victims. That's beautiful. That's really nice. And uh, the conference sounds certainly very dynamic and really interesting, and it's going to be full of all kinds of interesting learning, I'm sure. If someone wants to uh, learn more about the conference or to register or get more information, how, what's the best way for them to do that? Our website has all the information. It's um, www, of course, A-A-T-H dot org. So it's A-A-T-H, Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. And we also have a humor academy, which is offered for three hours of graduate credit um, for those who would like to take a more serious look at humor studies. And it's a three-year program. And at the end, you can become a certified humor professional. And Maya, you have done that. And we're so proud of our graduates um, <laughs> who are doing work in so many amazing fields. Uh, so that's another opportunity we offer. Um, we're also giving CEUs and CMEs uh, to those who would like, like it at the conference. So lots of options. But always an amazing, fun time with a focus on the research uh, on humor and laughter and play. Super. So listeners, you can check that out at that website. I will include that information in the notes for this show. And finally, Mary Kay, if people want to learn more about your work, what's what's the best way for them to to get that information? Oh, I would love that. Um, my website is quest, Q-U-E-S-T, for F-O-R, humor, H-U-M-O-R dot com, because I'm always speaking more information on humor. So it is a quest of mine to bring more humor into the lives of others. And um, 
I would love to be in touch with anybody who's interested in more information. So um, I, I love bringing the message to others. I'm actually speaking in Albuquerque next week um, to 400 teachers and uh, absolutely love, love sharing um, positive energy and fun and play and laughter with um, all who are interested, Maya. So thank you for asking. Wonderful, and I'll include uh, your website in the notes as well. Mary Kay, I just want to thank you so much for spending the time with me today. Um, It has been both fun and informative, which is kind of the point, that fun and play does connect with learning. So thank you for actually embodying the message uh, of today's conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Maya. It's always a delight to be with you. You take care and have a great rest of the day. Thanks, Maya. You too. That was Mary Kay Morrison. Join us next week, folks, when I will be sharing a conversation with fellow comedy aficionado Alfredo Sarli about dark humor. How is it that the unfunniest of subject matter can sometimes raise the biggest laughs. And is this okay? Well, we will be finding out next week. Until then, some last advice from a little woman with a big heart, Louisa May Alcott, who wrote, Have regular hours for work and play. Make each day both useful and pleasant and prove that you understand the worth of time by employing it well then youth will bring few regrets and life will become a beautiful success. Listeners, employ your time well, play, laugh, and above all, be kind. This is Maya, and I am out. Sunday morning Still got my day job But I feel so free Baby, I go anywhere As long as you'll be there It's just you and me You shine so bright You help me see Your eyes, your eyes My But I feel so free